Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. I'm your host, Joe. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Hendy. Hi, Hendy. Hey, everybody. So just to give a little bit of background information on Hendy, she and I read the Outlander books at the same time years ago. We kind of discovered them at the same time, and we watched the show together. And I think we're sort of the same level of Outlander book fans and TV series fans. I agree with that. Which is... We read the books, and we enjoy the story, but it can be a little bit mm, lengthy for us. For example, we're both stuck on the fiery cross right now. Correct. But we love the TV series. 100%. So it's very exciting. We also have been referring to Hendy as our VP of Marketing over here on Loinlander because she has been um, a very active fan and strong promoter of our podcast. So it's nice to have you here. It is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about episode 310 called Heaven and Earth. It was directed by David Moore, who's the same director as um, the last episode. So as I mentioned, he must have some sort of expertise in filming on ships. I'm not sure. And it's written by a gentleman named Luke Shellhaz, who is a brand new writer to Outlander. So this is his first Outlander episode that he's ever written. And we had a cold open, which Joe said... They're all cold open. They're all cold open. But they're not. They've only done cold open twice, and both times is when they're redoing a scene from Jamie's perspective, which was the start of this. You saw Jamie as he was learning that Claire was being taken away on the on the porpoise. I'll take your word for it. I don't pay enough attention to it. Yes, I would agree that it, it was the cold open. That's okay. She's was, describing it, that correctly. It was colder than usual. Right. Excellent. Okay. Okay. So then Jamie flips out, and he attacks the captain. And I thought it was a nice moment because you suddenly realized that Jamie has a lot of people on his side. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but they all pull out knives all at the same time. Well, two. Two. No, there was no, more. No, there was like four. On was the there? other side, yeah. I missed them. I there just was... saw the two McDews and there's nowhere to be seen. Oh, Fergus, of course. Right. And then there was also someone, because don't forget that his cousin Jared has people on board and they're on Jamie's side too. Right. All I could see was the captain and that dick who kept putting a gun right in Jamie's face. Right. That was unnecessary. But the captain said, um, tell your men to put their knives down. Mutiny right. is a bit of a serious seafaring crime. Yeah, that's and it's been a theme through this this uh, episode, or season that the captain is all about no mutiny. That's right. Right, wrong, don't care, mutiny, bad. Right, and yeah. on that note, he then throws Jamie into the prison mm-hmm. of the ship. So Jamie is locked away. And then we have the opening with the consistent Jamaican theme music. And how do you feel about that, Hendy? Uh, I mean, I'm not a fan. I feel like it's a bit of an overstatement. Like, it, just, <laughs> it feels it feels cliche and kind of overdone for me. Oh, welcome to Outlander. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, not always, not always. So then the title shot are, is a bunch of people and they're hammering open a barrel of creme de menthe. So we obviously know where this is going. Where this is going. Yeah. This isn't going to be amazing. One. So then the first scene is Claire, and she's explaining to the crew about how germs work and about how alcohol kills germs, and they're all kind of looking at her like she's insane. Yeah, and then the little guy licks his fingers because he doesn't want to see the alcohol go to waste, and Claire basically just smacks him and says, what the hell are you doing, kid? It's Mr. Pound. Elias Pound. So what did both of you think about this casting, and what did both of you think about this character? That's the kid, right? That's the 14-year-old. I like the kid. I mean, I think Outlander does a great job of casting all these secondary characters. They're all 
they all have sort of their small moments, but I think they're pretty strong. I'm not really sure who does the casting. I'm sure you do. But um, I don't. Yeah. I don't oh. know off the top of that my head. That surprises me. It is surprising. Yeah, Andy. I kind of loved Mr. Pound. Me too. He, his delivery was a little stiff. Like he definitely has. You can tell he's young and he's still getting his feet wet when it comes to you know acting. Yeah. But I really, by the end of the episode, I I loved him. He really, really stole the episode for me. I totally agree. And. and- Oh, it's good because they want you to, right? Like you for for the payoff for the end of this episode, you yeah. you have to love him, right? Yeah. For it to be effective, but for it to be like him only really in two episodes and really only like mm-hmm. one in a bit, for him to have that much um, impact? impact was yes. really surprising. And I agree. Did you cry? I, I it's the first time this season that I have cried. Heartbreaking. I was. Anyways, we're jumping ahead. We're but I'm just saying, ahead. Mr. Pound really, he really did it for me. He was amazing, and I will point this out because you said you could tell he was young, and he was playing a 14 year old, and that actor is actually 14, which is rare because normally they have actors who are, you know, playing younger than they actually are. But that is a 14 year old actor, so he did a great job. Yeah, that was a big. I mean, he was basically. Really, he had as much screen time as anyone. Yeah, he was episode. almost the same as Claire. And he was almost yeah. in every single Claire scene. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, he had way more screen time than Jamie. He did great. Yeah, good I job, agree. kid. And they introduced him right away as like obviously a great alliance to her. Even though he's only fourteen, he still holds rank, and he was insisting that everyone follow her instructions. So yeah, he, he was like, he, he was her guy. Yeah, if she was taking shit from anybody, he stepped in there and laid it down. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's a lot of like, scene after scene after scene where she's taking care of the men on the ship, you know, sick people everywhere. It's really tough to watch. Like, I got to a point where I was exhausted. I didn't, it was, I found it difficult it's to watch. too much puking. Yeah, too much puking and sick people and dying people was depressing. Well, I mean, this is the least favorite part of this book as far as I'm concerned. Like, mm. you know, I love outlander but i find the parts that take place on a boat the most boring parts of the entire book series and for so many reasons but part of it is it's like the same thing over and over again every day and that but i understand that that's part of what it was like totally it's a realistic approach to telling that story only so much to do in a boat but but with like 1200 pages in this book, I feel like when you look at the first half of this season, there were so many episodes where we could have taken more time. And yeah, this episode, more time with Frank. Okay, sure, maybe <laughs> there could have been some more time with Frank, but there could have been so many other things that we could have looked into this season that we overlooked. And here we are, two full episodes so yeah. far on the boat. Yes. And like if this is the last two episodes on the boat, that's fantastic for me because yeah. I did not want this to be like four episodes on the yeah. boat. But I, I just feel like there's just, they, they did a good job with this one, but I feel like now the chapter is closed and we need to move on from the boat. I hope so. Cause I, I've had enough boat. What about you, Joe? No, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I, this has been my song all, all season that they've glossed over so many real, what I would feel as a non-book reader, really important, interesting things that has only been, you know, they've been filled in for me by, like, by, like by the time Megan. travel. Back. Yeah. All the, like, you know, the time, like the hook of the show, like that sort of thing. And you're right. Like we're spending two episodes watching dudes puke on a boat. Like we didn't need, McDo number two's horseshoe drama for an entire episode. Like that could have, we could have, these could have been one episode. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually just going back to how they skimmed over the time travel. I know that both Hendy and I loved um, reading about how she did travel back in time to see Jamie and the peanut butter sandwich and everything. Mm -hmm. 
But do you also recall that it was a horrible experience going back? And yeah. she didn't know if she was ever going to make it back because she said, each time it's harder and it almost killed me coming here. Yeah. But in the show, they're kind of brushing over that. Because remember, he even said, like, do you want to go back to the Stones? I can take you back right now. And it's like, no, no, it's not a bus. Yeah. It's not a bus she can catch. Yeah, because if I recall from the book, like, literally she describes feeling like she's being torn apart. Yes. And, sh- like, almost, like, into shreds. And each time she yeah. goes through, it gets more and more severe. So yeah. she realizes, like, that's it. Like, I can't go back. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Great. So we go back to the Artemis, and Fergus is bringing food for Jamie. And this scene I found really interesting because Jamie is... A, he's a great big dick. He's a bit of a irrational bully to Fergus in this scene and he comes up with a plan that makes absolutely no sense and involves Fergus and him and I think three other men taking over the ship and he's desperate and throwing up and he's mean to Fergus saying he doesn't know what love is and this was not in the book and the irrational Jamie Frazier apparently and this isn't surprising because Diana Gabaldon throws the writers of the tv show under the bus all the time but apparently Diana Gabaldon didn't like this scene either. She's like, that's not my Jamie Fraser. Who's going to like this scene? Nobody's going to like this scene. You guys talked about it last cast. Like, he's the king of men, and that's not how the king of men is. Exactly. But I say, look back at season two, because this type of Jamie behavior has happened before. In fact, if you recall, Jamie went to prison because he was so hell-bent on revenge with Black Jack, that he hunted him down and dueled with him in Paris when dueling was illegal. And he disregarded Claire's pleas. He disregarded the fact that Claire was pregnant. All he cared about was what Jamie wanted. And Jamie, like a pouty little boy, ran off and did what he wanted. He's selfish. He gets tunnel vision. And then he can't. And that's what he was doing to Fergus. But I actually found it almost more upsetting with little Fergus, because Fergus really looks up to Jamie. Okay, but, like, I'm just saying, like, this is a repeat of him going dueling with Blackjack. He only cares about what he wants. Yeah. And he doesn't care about anything else. And then he spends months in prison, and his wife loses the baby, and then he's all like, I'm so sorry, I'll never do this again. And here we are, he's not getting his way, and he's throwing a tantrum. He is. And then in the very end, he throws out to Fergus, he gets manipulative, and he's like, "Uh, uh, I'll give you, if you give me the keys, I'll give you my blessing. Yeah, I I mean... I found it completely, completely out of character, 100%. Like, even the stuff that happened in season two, you could argue that there was a lot more motivation, uh, revenge-wise. From yeah, doing, like, there sure. was some trauma going for on sure. there. For there sure. was some, <laughs> some stuff that happened. Uh, whereas this was literally, they took Claire to another boat and said, you'll, I mean, Jamie doesn't know he's being set up. Like, they said, you'll meet her in Jamaica. Like, he, I, I thought it was incredibly irrational for the the scenario i thought it was like super out of character yeah for for jamie like like he's done irrational things in the past but you know a little more a little more you know lavender in the hair and that kind of thing to 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 motivate you uh you know nail in the hand like you know lavender in the hair that stuck with me never that shit stuck with me i am not saying that being raped does Mm -hmm. not does not bring out revenge feelings. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's wrong for that, but I'm saying there is a time and a place and mm-hmm. you have to be able to manage that. And he, this to totally me doesn't good. feel like it does feel out of character in the overarching scheme of things. Right. But it does, if from a writer's perspective, I can see why they felt like it wouldn't be so out of character that it doesn't fit at all. Yeah. yeah. 
So then we go back to the porpoise. Mr. Pound and the other crew are preparing the sea burials for the dead, and Mr. Pound has to sew up his buddy's nose. We learn that the last stitch goes through the nose, and he's really... And they wanted to be done by a friend. That's the thing. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Um, and then they have a proper burial. And was it? When he had to stick the thing through his nose. <laughs> Wasn't that heartbreaking? You didn't feel bad I felt for like Elias? What's, what was the, the tool that you called at last cast? Exposition or whatever? Yeah, like exposition dump. Yeah, yeah. That, that's basically yeah. what that was. They were just leading us down the garden path so that when it, it comes up later, setup, yeah. it's much more of a connection for you. You yeah, understand like the significance, right? Hard for me. That lot, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. You soon. loved everything about Mr. Pound. Though. Mr. Pound just broke your heart. He did. And in, I was just going to say, they have a proper burial, and it's very sad and formal, and Mr. Pound cries, and I also cried. Um, See, I didn't cry at that part. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no, I did not cry at that part. Okay. Side note, I, I actually wrote, side note, Claire looks brutal in this episode, and I really appreciate it. I like that she has that horrible bandana pasting her hair back. I like that she's got gray tufts coming out. She's always sweaty, and I think that that is exactly what she should be looking like on this sick right. boat after being there. Like, I really appreciate... Business Claire. Business Claire, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. So then it's nighttime, and the cook comes up and criticizes Claire's tactic, and he's kind of bullying her, and Mr. Pound comes up, and he gets rid of him, and he and Claire share a moment, right? And you learn that, you know, he gives her the rabbit foot that his mother had given him, and he his mother is dead, so he's looking for a mother, and of course, we already know that Claire's been missing Brianna terribly, so you see the connection, and Joe said at this point he knew that Elias Pound yeah, was, was not going to make it. Yeah, it wasn't going to go well. I don't remember this in the book, because I, I, I did skim. The, no, no, it was in the book. Was Elias Pound the significant? Um, I mean, he was, there was definitely this, I can't remember if he was called Mr. Pound, but yeah. the, this character definitely was in there because I knew vaguely whatever, everything that was about to happen. So the details maybe are a little bit more embellished for the episode, but yeah. they're definitely, this thread was definitely part of the books. Okay. But here's my question. Can I yeah. just throw this yeah, in? Yeah, please do. Because for somebody who won't touch the bloody horseshoe, she took that rabbit's foot real easy. Exactly what I said. That is yeah, exactly I, I, what Joe I, said. I, I, I called that out immediately, and I said, I, "I." He literally said the exact same thing. She won't touch prepared. the horseshoe, but she's almost in tears about the rabbit. Okay, well, I will say this because I always read articles, but Matthew B. Roberts and Tony Graffia, the writers, have sewn in all of these themes that associate um, Brianna with bunnies. So it's just another significant. Brianna connection. So. I have not seen any of the Brianna bunny tie-ins. Oh yeah, like last episode uh, when they were just after they had sex in the storage room. Perfect time to tie in your daughter. Yeah, she was talking something about yeah. bunnies yeah, and she Brianna loves bunnies. bunnies. Right. And any scene with baby Brianna, there was always like a stuffed a bunny? bunny, and so him giving this. her a rabbit's foot meant something. But it's funny that both of you had that same feeling of. It's just. It's typical Outlander character inconsistency. Pretty standard. Yeah. Pretty typical. It's, it's typical Claire. Right. That's true, too. Yeah. Like that is that is true. So then we meet Mistress Johansson, um, or Annika, who takes care of the goats and provides milk. MVP. Oh. I'm just throw that out there now. Spoiler. Really? Yeah, anyway, go that on. That is a spoiler. Yeah. Anyways, her husband has gotten himself drunk, but his um, inebriation allows us to, for Claire and um, Anika to finally connect which is exciting. Right. So you really liked this character of Anika. Anika. Yeah. Anika, yeah. yeah. Did you? 
I liked her for what she was, which was comic relief. And in my world, she's not Annika. She's Goat Lady. Yeah. That's fair. Goat Lady was savvy beyond her uh, grasp of the English language, though. She, uh, for someone who didn't speak English, she knew what was going on. She, yeah. She, she was... I think she's one of those those people in life that people uh, overlook because they think you don't under they don't understand you. And yeah, you she, obviously, she obviously she obviously understood English way better than she could speak. Yeah, it. she she knew because she always you know like even that that part where she's like my goats need grass, uh, like she she had a plan. Yeah, you could see the wheels were turning. And Claire Annika, missed it. My girl, I hope she's part of the series forever. Anyway, oh, we'll see. So, we'll see. Um, so as Claire's leaving, she sees a Portuguese flag, and she learns that two weeks ago they they uh, boarded a Portuguese ship. She goes to find Captain Leonard and finds a report that lists Jamie as a felon going under the alias. Um, the cook finds her, and they go head-to-head. I remember all of this from the book. Also important, we find out that the Portuguese ship was not the one they're actually looking for. It, was it wasn't the Bruja, or we yeah. don't know if it was no, the No, it was. It was the Cortana or something. It was not the Bruja. It was a different... Coronado, or it was a different ship. Which is inconsistent with what Cousin Jared said at the beginning, which is there's only one Portuguese ship that's the Cousin Bruja. Jared was wrong. Yeah, but if it's a pirate ship, do they really, do they check in under the right name if they're a pirate oh, ship? That's, that's fair. Good that's point. a fair, fair point. <laughs> um, so, and she learns that someone on the ship named Harry Tompkins knows Jamie. And he knows that he's James Fraser, not Alexander Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Seditious printer, James Fraser. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the next scene is a sweet scene between Fergus and Marcelie. She's um, washing his stump, which I knew that Joe would be cringing in that scene because it's why he doesn't like when characters lose their hand. But his stump looked very realistic. It was a real looking stump. I've seen stumps that looked real. It did. Yeah. Um, okay, so what do you guys think about these two characters together and their chemistry and their relationship? Uh, you can go yeah. first. Lead, lead. I mean, I think Marsley looks a little older than... Really? Especially in this episode. Like, I didn't really notice it as much um, before, but this episode, I thought, wow, girl looks like she's had... Some time on the ship? Some, she's, you know, she's looking a little rough around the edges for a girl who's supposed to be 16. She's supposed to be 16? In the books. She's oh, like she's 16 not. in the books. Well, and that's why it's so... That's why they need Jamie's blessing to get right. married. Right? No. In that time, you needed you needed your father's blessing to get married, regardless. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know about that. But yeah, but, she, yeah. she's looking a little rough. She looks more like she's she looks older than Fergus. Yeah, I, and Fergus I'm is twenty eight. Yeah, like yeah, she's supposed to be older. I don't know how old that actress actually is, but yeah, she looks yeah. she's for sure in her twenties. Well, I know that that actress is only two years younger than the girl who plays Leary because they're actually friends, and it's funny because Leary was playing her mother, but she's only two years older than right. that actress, and I yeah. imagine that Leary is probably like thirty. Yeah, maybe that actress. I'm no, just saying answer? you could see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like New Fergus. I like. Um, I don't mind their chemistry together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm still not there with her yet, and he, I still, I like him, I want to like him, and I believe that he's Fergus, like the transition went well in terms of, yeah, you know, too. original Fergus to new Fergus, but, I don't know, I'm, I'm just not, I just don't have a lot of feels for these characters yet. Yeah, okay. same, I don't oh, care. really? Yeah, I like, I like the, uh, I like the give and take with her and Claire when she was calling a whore all the yep. time. But I think <laughs> that's over. Like I think that's past. I think they've I think they've gotten past it and I think they're no, you don't you don't think so. Henny's giving me the no look right now. You don't think we're past it? No. 
I don't think so. It, it takes some time for for that. At least in the books, it, it right. feels like it takes longer. But again, it's going to be compressed for the show. But we'll yeah, see. it takes a long time. If there's more hooers in it, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm ready. You really love saying that out loud. I do. It's, I do. I, I love say. a good accent. Yeah. yeah, or a bad one. Fair. Yeah. In Fergus's case. Um. Okay. I love Fergus. And actually, I don't even know if I've mentioned this, but 14 year old Megan would have gone crazy over the actor that plays Fergus. Did you guys ever watch Young Guns? Of course. That Western? Yes. Do you remember the guy that played Billy the Kid? His name was Christopher Pettiette. I used to write him fan letters, and he wrote me back and signed... I mean, I'm sure it wasn't him, but I got a response with a signed thing, and he sort of looks like that actor. Young Guns. I need to look this up now. Young Guns. Oh, Young, Young Riders. Sorry. Yeah, Young, Young Guns was Emilio Estevez. Yeah, okay. Young Riders was a TV yeah. show. Okay. I haven't seen that, but Young, yeah, Young Guns with Emilio Estevez. Right, so it wasn't that. New it was a Phelps. TV show. Great, right. yeah. And it had Josh Brolin in it, I think. It did yeah. have Josh Brolin in it and Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, it oh was a God. great cast, guys. And I loved Christopher Pettiette, and he looks okay. quite a bit like Fergus. Okay. Christopher Pettiette was probably 14 years old. A little bit of a rampage there. <laughs> was, yeah. Anyways, I love Fergus, okay. and I love Marceline. Oh, we're pulling up a picture right now? Yes. yes. He actually does. That is that a heartthrob. I see the Fergus in there. So oh, 14-year-old Megan, when I see Fergus, I'm like, mm, yeah, reminds me I of can see that. Young yeah. Riders. Okay. Okay, great. I think that's the first time ever that I've heard anybody ever reference the Young Writers, which was a, like a three-season yeah. TV show that like regularly airs on like CHCH here in yeah. Canada. It was a wonderful TV show. <laughs> if anyone is interested in me doing a podcast on it, Young <laughs> Writers re rewatch. Well, I will be there. Just okay. let me know. Great. Okay. Wow. Let's get right back on track here. So um, Claire wants to find Harry Tom. Harry Tompkins, so she tells a fib to Elias and says she needs to see him right away. Yeah, she says he's, he's the she, we, we've already carrier. found one of the carriers, so she accuses him of being a second carrier, which is a pretty big deal. So they go, the ship, you know, goes nuts trying to find him, and they... They do find him. They find him, and they bring him back, you know, against his that. will. Yeah, and it's One-Eye from the yeah. from the print shop episode. And he looks a little worse for wear, too. He does look a little worse for wear. Yeah. He looks like even... He's, gone, he's blind, but now he's also burnt, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wasn't pretty before, and now he's he's not it's not coming together for him. So, yeah, no, and he's, he's sad about his life. Well, yeah, and he says to Claire, I know who you are. You're Mr. Malcolm's wife. And Claire threatens him with her big surgical knife, and he moves his hair aside. Yeah. And he's like, just slit my throat. This has not been fun for me at all. Like, I was supposed to get a promotion, and instead I'm on a ship full of people who are dying. Plus, I'm pretty sure he knew Claire wasn't going to do it. A guy like that probably knows a killer. He can probably tell a killer yeah. when he sees one. He knows that a doctor probably isn't that person. Right. Well, yeah. and how do you get away with that on the ship, right? right. Everybody knows she's had him brought to her. Yeah, good How point. is she going to get rid of him? Right. Like, there's really no out here for her. That's a this, really good right? point. The more you question certain things, the more holes there are. Okay, so we learned that he has found Sir Percival's body. We were referring to him as Rapey. Not Sir Percival. No, it's not Sir Percival. It's the Isn't guy. it? No, it's the Rapey. It's Rapey. The, yeah, Rapey. It's Rapey, from, but from I thought the, that was... He no, works Sir, for Sir Percival. Yeah. Okay, great. Good. So they found Ravy's body, right. and he knows, In the he event. thinks that Jamie did it. Yeah. Right. Um, and we learn that authorities will be waiting for Jamie in Jamaica when he comes to collect her, and then he'll be hanged. Mm -hmm. Claire says, it wasn't Jamie, and when I says, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So she gets him locked up as well. 
Um, and I actually quite like the scene where she goes up to him as he's locked away and she was like, by the way, I'd stay away from Joe, Joe Howard because he actually is the carrier. And you see him kind of back away. And he looks genuinely afraid for the first time. Yeah. Um, then she goes and visits uh, Annika, who is feeding goats. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got... Yeah, my favorite line was uh, when Annika, or goat lady as I like to call her, says, my goats need grass. My goats needs grass. Yeah, and I uh, I actually really like this because you could see a twinkle in Annika's eye and you knew that Claire had no idea. She just yeah, was Claire like... Yeah, kind of dismisses her. Yeah, completely dismisses her like everyone else. And uh, you, But you can tell that Annika's got a plan. She's a crafty lady yeah. that feeds goats. Yeah. And uh, she, But something's going on there. She was very confident about the goats' grass situation and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. But I also like that line. Yeah, I thought that was going to be your favorite line. I did too. It just feels like a bit of a comic relief for me, which is odd because you don't typically have comic relief in an Outlander episode. That's true. And that's what it kind of felt like. It just sort of felt at loose ends compared to the rest of the subject matter of the episode. And then, but then she, yeah, but then she sort of redeems herself, you know, later on in the episode. So it all ties together. But as I'm watching, even when I was reading this in the book, I was thinking to myself, like, who is this goat lady and why (laughs) is she in the middle of this scene? So why was it your favorite line then? Just because it stuck out? Just as it stuck out, it kind of made me chuckle a little bit, right? Like, Which you needed a chuckle after watching that many people die of typhoid fever. Okay, so the next scene, Fergus visits Jamie. And Jamie says, oh, you weren't able to get the keys? And Fergus says, I didn't try and get the keys. Jamie wigs out. Jamie does wig out. Yeah, he just starts going at him and you know, talking about how... If you really loved someone, you would go through the mountains and the seas and the oceans and the earth. blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And Fergus and, leaves. He just yeah, leaves. and Fergus is like, I'm doing it for you, dick. And he leaves, basically. Yeah. And Marsley. He says, I'm doing it for Marsley. Because right. if we leave, if we try this plan and it fails, I've been eavesdropping mm-hmm. and they're talking about her like they're interested. Yeah. So This is just like an extension of the last scene with yeah. Selfish Jamie. Yeah. So then we're back on the porpoise and uh, Claire and the other crew member, I can't remember his name, but they're feeding the sick men and he points out, um, listen, it's silent. Do you know what that means? Everyone is starting to heal. Mm-hmm, yeah, just the, the sound of men sleeping, I think is what he said. And that guy was really good too. Got, he was. He never got named. He never. He was Claire's, he was Claire's other friend. Claire's other the unnamed. Point, he yeah. wasn't though. So this is where I think they did a good, this, this was a good way of them showing the time lapse because at the beginning of the episode, right. he calls her this, who am I taking orders from a woman doctor? Was, was that and that Mr. Yeah. yeah. And oh. Mr. Pound jumps in and says, uh, what's that? Yeah. No, you don't talk to her that way. Yeah. And now here we are near the end of the episode and he's all like, hey, lady doctor, look at us right. healing people. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that that same guy? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, then, then in that case, I don't like that. Because it would have been, then they needed some sort well, of moment. Well, it was time passing. I think it I was guess, showing yeah. time passing, right? And I will just say, that guy and Mr. Pound and everyone else who was nursing the typhoid fever people, with the exception of Claire, who had an immunization, like, those were brave people. Mm-hmm. Because you're just keeping your fingers crossed that right. you're not going to get it, too. And maybe yeah. someone does. Well, next scene, she goes upstairs and everyone's singing and happy and drinking Mm -hmm. and it's sunny and she sees Elias fast asleep in a hammock and she kind of smiles and then she looks at his arm and he's got red bumps all up and down his arm and um, in a scene that made me sob hysterically, he thinks she's his mother and she pretends to be. Is this the scene that you cried? This is the scene I cried, and this is the first time I've cried this season, and it it was really 
the lead up was really well done. Like they laid the brick and made that like solid. I was really impressed with that for the first time this season. They really upsetting. hit all the buttons. What did you think of this, Joe? You knew as soon as. Uh, I you mean, knew. I yeah, I knew exactly what was happening. It, it, it's I mean that's that's not that's not where where things hit me. So yeah, it was just right. kind of like here it is. It's 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 happening. So. And then they have the formal, you know, they're sewing him up and. Right. In probably the most upsetting scene of the episode for me, she sews up his nose. I actually, I didn't even watch. I looked away. But you watched. I did. You don't really see it. To me, that was part of the gut-wrenching part of this, was that it was her acknowledging that this is my friend and I, and he's, and he's died. And and it was heartbreaking for her. Like, that, to me, that was the best fitting tribute that Claire could have given him by sewing his nose. Like, honestly. <laughs> I agree. No, I agree. It's sad. I'm tearing up as Henry describes it. So that night... Well, Claire oh, also, okay. though, talks to the captain. She's, she basically blames herself. She said she wasn't paying attention. She thought... Uh, a she little, didn't see the signs. Yeah, a little pound was she thought he was just tired. And, she, you know, she's really beating herself up about it. How, you know, this was, this was her fault. Yeah. And so, she's like, I was. missed it. I think it's because she took the rabbit's foot and she doomed him <gasps> to death. She, she stole his luck. luck. Is luck. That's true. It's selfish Claire stealing other people's Who's superstitious luck? now, bitch? I know that's right. <laughs> that's totally correct. Claire stole his luck soul and killed him. That would be interesting. This is we need more of this. <laughs> okay. Awful. Okay, so after the captain comes up and Claire is all down in the dumps and saying it was her fault and she missed the signs. Then Annika comes up with that same crew member who's become chummy with her. And um, he says they can tell that land is close, so they're going to go to it. And Annika says, and grass for my goats, and winks at her. Yeah. And that's when Clara thinks, maybe this goat lady isn't so dumb after all. Mm-hmm. I think she's on to something. Cue monologue. Was there a monologue? Isn't there a voiceover at this point where she's like, and then the goat lady took me to the island and where I got and to walk around. walking all and, yeah, around. Like, and then Annika says... Run now. Yeah. So she does. And again, this all planned out. She did. She's crafty. She's a crafty Swedish lady. Yeah. Don't underestimate the Swedes. She makes a getaway and yeah. bumps right into the captain. Yeah. It didn't. She didn't plan that part out. It was yeah. a shitty plan for yeah. sure. But it was a like well thought out. But the plan didn't. There was information. And I don't remember this part in the book. So I don't, I don't know, know if it we was. Were skimming probably. At this point. Probably. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't know either. Yeah. We're yeah. bad. Readers. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We are. And the goat lady just wasn't really interesting to me. Like I didn't see the end game for goat lady, right? So why I was like, why? Yeah. It's like it's like when Diana Gabaldon gets into the whole like the heather blew the left, it blew to the right, it was purple, there was various shades. Like it gets so detail oriented in the books that I get to a point where I'm overwhelmed by the level of details and I need to skim, right? Yeah. So goat lady was too much detail. Yeah, yeah. I think you missed the really good part. So we, Claire, as she's trying to escape, bumps right into the captain. And I wanted to ask both of you what you think of this young captain. Because he's not 14. He's not like Elias Pound. But I would say he's probably 19. Yeah, he's young. Oh, he's definitely young. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the guy did a great job. I mean, he he basically says, you know, we're looking for, we're doing rounds to look for, uh, you know, crew members that may have, you know, be wandering off. But then instantly calls out Claire, you know, saying, oh, by the way, we also can't let you warn Jamie that we're going to arrest him. Yeah, so he was obviously looking for her. He just calls uh, her out on plus it. Plus, why would the captain himself be doing those rounds unless he was actually looking for Claire? And he's yeah. like, I know that you went to my office. Yeah. I know that you found my stuff. And so let's all be friends and go back to the boat. What do you feel? Yeah, what do I you mean, 
he was fine. I thought he was good. Like, they, the actor was great. He did a good job. He carried his scenes the way he needed to. But he's no Mr. Pound. Like, I feel, feel like, kind of like he's a Weasley little jerk. And I... Oh. Oh, I you don't think he's... Like, he's not as pure of heart as Elias Pound. But he can't be. He's he's the captain of the ship, right? He's like, I took an oath, and I feel badly that I will hang your husband. But, but then I hear the cook in my head saying he's very ambitious, and he wants his own boat. So, you know, which one is it? Do you want your own boat, and that's why you're mm-hmm. you're screwing uh, A. Malcolm? Or is it because you've taken a solemn oath? No, he wants his own boat, for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, guys, I didn't even look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, you two watch um, Outlander very similarly. <laughs> you're you're like still crying over Mr. Pound. I'm still grieving over red that nose and all that. Yeah, red nose. So. Yeah. So meanwhile, on the Artemis, Jamie is in his cell looking at pictures of Brianna, and Marcelli comes in to save Jamie. And she, um, I think she comes across as really quick-witted. She somehow has managed to convince the captain, well, he needs all able-bodied men. So she says, just get Jamie to give you his word, and he will. He will not escape. I think he was actually looking at pictures of Claire. I don't think Jamie gives a crap about Brianna. No, he does. He was. They were pictures of Brianna. They were really? all pictures. Because I'm pretty sure one was. Uh, maybe not. But I, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, I don't. Because well, really... I don't think Claire brought pictures of herself. I think there was like a picture of her and Brianna, maybe. Or, maybe. or the one where she had. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think Jamie cares about Brianna at all. No, much I think, like Claire. No, he does. Hendy, what is your opinion on that? I mean, I disagree with that because he clearly loves his little miniature portrait of Willie. No, I think he thinks. I think he has a lot of feels for Willie. For but sure. what's the difference between him looking at the portrait of Willie and him looking at the portrait of Claire and Brianna? Uh, no, no. I'm saying I think he's if he's looking at a picture that is Claire and Brianna, I think he's looking at Claire and not Brianna. It's like Claire and that redhead. I feel like girl. that's reaching. I'm just gonna say I feel like that's reaching because how do you know what he's thinking on the inside? There's no indications that he's showing favoritism to one or the other. I have to build my own storylines to make it interesting. Okay. That's what reaching. That's I basically I write my own subplots. Okay. That's what happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Jamie gets out of the prison. He comes up to Fergus and Marcelli. They're so happy because he says, "You have my blessing to get married." And then, in one of my favorite scenes. One, one of my favorite scenes of the episode, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but he puts his hand on Fergus's shoulder and calls him Malfi, which is my son in French. And I love when Jamie calls Fergus his son. He did it once before at the end of season two. And it's just kind of like confirming like, hey, I know I was a bit of a bully, but you're my son. Anyone notice that? I didn't, I didn't know about Malfi or season one or two or whenever. Uh, also, I just feel like that's a bit of a gloss over. Like, he was a bigger dick than just a, a shoulder pat and a mumphy gets you out of. <laughs> yeah, Personally. it felt weird. This felt like they just tried to shoe it, horn this in here that, hey, like, oh, look at me, I'm free, and now everything's fine, yeah. and I give you my blessing because uh, I'm petty and, and mean. So, I, you know, after I've withheld it, now that you've gotten me out, uh, okay, sure, go ahead, get married. Now that you've bought it. It, it just didn't feel authentic to me at all. And like, He switched. He switched quickly. Also... Like, just saying it's not a prison. It's like the brig or the hold on a ship, but it's not right. a prison. That's true. So they had, like, nice, like, table legs keeping him in there. I don't know if you, like, did you see there were nicely it was carved, it was beveled. Carved wood, yeah. King of Men could have kicked through that in a heartbeat if he wanted to. That was the other part that I didn't really understand. Like, what's the deal with needing the keys? Like, that was basically just, like, a poorly made armchair that he was, that was holding him in there. I'm pretty sure he could have, like, one good thrust and he would have been out the door. That's 
different story for a different time. But anyway, that you know, that's that's what I was thinking the entire time. Like, look, go back and look at it. It's no, not they bars. Were thick. They were thick. No, they were like it was like it was like chair legs. I was, was going to say typically those boats are made of like oak or some kind of really hard wood. So I really doubt one. Also, he was weak because he wasn't getting his acupuncture. Dude from can Willoughby. leap from a balcony in a flaming room and push it aside like nobody's business. He can kick through a table. Man up, Jamie. So that night on the porpoise, Annika brings Claire to the front of the ship and she points to land and says, water will move you. She gives her a makeshift raft made out of barrels. And at first Claire's like, I'm not jumping off of this ship. She gives her a barrel, a bunch of barrels. She gets her to take her shoes and her skirts off. Claire looks down at the water and says my favorite line of the episode. Actually, you missed my favorite line first. Oh, which is the beginning of it, where Annika says, "Which is where uh, I felt the comic relief came in because why else would they have anyone say yump? Uh, <laughs> it would just made me laugh, and uh, I it's just it just endeared me to Annika even more. Yeah, forever she will be known as yump." Uh, but, 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 and, and she said it with all of her heart and she wanted Claire to yump into the water. And she did a little and, hand gesture. Yeah. See, in case we didn't know what yump meant, points to the, the barrels and was like, just yump with the arrows and swim to the island. And, uh, yeah, no, it was good. Good for you, Annika. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. Claire stands up, looks over and says, Jesus, I chose a vote, And then she jumps. And to me, it was my favorite scene because I love when Claire says Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. And when she actually jumped, I was like, holy cow. And then black credits. What did you guys think of the final scene? Uh, I felt like it was drawn out, too drawn out for me. But I was, because I, when I was watching the episode, I sort of watched the first 45 minutes and then I had to stop and do something else. And, yeah. I, and I was thinking as I was doing the other thing that I was doing between watching the end that, you know, it's weird because we really haven't heard her say Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ this season. And like, you know, I was thinking, you know, in preparation for this, what would be my favorite line? And I was like, oh, I wish she would just say Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. And then right at the end, she says it. So I was like, there's the payoff. Yeah. Is that a catchphrase? It's never, her catchphrase. I'd never heard it before. Yeah. Have I just missed it or? You have. She says it quite a bit in the pilot episode. Oh, does she? Yeah. Okay. So she says that the first time we heard her say it, she's combing her hair, and it's when Jamie's right. ghost is standing outside, and Frank comes up and sees him, and Jamie's looking up at the window, and Claire is brushing her hair, and she says, Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. Right. And then she says it again when she rescues Jamie in the pilot episode, because nobody's listening to her, and she's trying to clean his wounds, mm -hmm. and she mutters, Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. She, she drops an F-bomb at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. I like and when Claire drops the F-bomb. Drops an F-bomb. Yeah, so I didn't. I, I felt like that gave the weird Roosevelt thing a little less impact for someone who doesn't pay no, attention. No, that's her catchphrase. That's the thing. I didn't know. Okay, yeah. now that I know it's like a yibikaye kind of situation, now I, I understand. Okay, great. Yeah, I just want to go back just a little bit again to Annika. Yeah. Uh, also, the other thing is when she was telling her to yump and things, she also she gave Claire like a, like a bag of money. Yeah. How much money do you make? feeding goats I'm, i'll answer no money basically so that, that was, was really like nice. all of her money like annika really just i just gotta nail this home that annika really like just brought it for claire 
She was a giver. Yeah. She was a, a hard giver. All yeah. because Claire saved her and he created uh, husband. She didn't really she, save what did she do, though? She didn't really she save her. Rolled she just rolled him on the side. Yeah. Here's my other question, though. Going back to, like, the snapshot, like, the quick snapshot of the island that she's supposed to, like, let the current take her to. Mm-hmm. That, damn, that place was lit up like a McDonald's for, like, being the 1700s. Like, Yeah. They had a lot going on. That's a really good point, though. It was that a is a very good point. Yeah, it was, was it? It did look like yeah, it, it was, was electricity. Yeah, it was Island Day. It was big. It's a holiday. Day. I don't know. I'm just, I don't. You're right. Like there was a million lights there on. There was a yeah, lot of lights. It did yes, look they like were really. 2012. I'm just saying. City. I didn't even think of that. I thought it was weird. I was like, look, there's land. Yeah. Probably because if you use the real lights, you wouldn't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's a that's a really good catch. And uh, yeah, no, it, it it was really lit, but. Uh, but, but, but you really wanted to jump. I wanted to jump. I did too, and I was really glad when she did. Because I wanted her off the boat. Me? I just want the boat stuff to be over. Get off the but boat. But I don't really understand. Oh, the... interesting that you just said that because one of our listeners said one time when you were like, get on a boat, do something. And she said, he's going to regret yeah. those words. You were right. <laughs> you were right, listener. I can't remember your name, but you were right. Uh, the plan is greatly flawed, though, in my opinion. I don't really understand. This plan it's of jumping. It's a good plan. Well, jump into the water, be carried to shore, find someone there, use the money to get on a different ship, find. To intercept? Yeah. Is that the get, deal? Then get on, find the Artemis, get on, and say to Jamie, hey, let's not go to Jamaica because there's a bunch of people waiting to hang you. I just feel like in 17 whatever, there's a lot of holes in that plan. Like, there's no. That's the only like, plan you don't you can have. Do. They don't have text Uber, There's not like find my iPhone so or anything else can she like that. I mean, I don't know, but, like, what if Jamie sails on the other side of the island and just goes, like... But that's that's outlander life. Like, you just gotta roll the dice and... That's fair, and, improb- and probably something good will happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, great. Okay, so let's do least favorite scene. Hendy, you start. Uh, my least favorite scene was the first one of Jamie in the brig when he tells Fraser that... Fraser. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When he tells Fergus that he has to go get the keys and, hey, let's do mutiny, and if you don't do it, it's because you don't know what love is and, uh, you know, you're a horrible person. Um, Interesting. That is my least favorite scene, too. I wrote down, mean Jamie scene. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> Make it a hat trick. Yeah, I hated it, oh, too. Was I, that I thought your it was, least favorite? I thought this was the worst Jamie episode I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really bad episode for Sam Hewen. Sorry. Well, he, Sam Hewen did a great job, but... Jamie, the character right. of Jamie was... It was, a, it was a bad episode for, right. for Jamie. So, favorite scene. Hendy? Uh, goat Lady. Goat Lady was my favorite scene. The first, uh, like the one where she says, my goats need grass. Yeah. She gives her the goat yeah. cheese. It just felt like a lighthearted scene and a sea of depression on that boat. Oh, I know. It was a sea of depression on that boat. Yeah. That would be a good title for this yeah. podcast. Sea of depression. Mm-hmm. So, my favorite scene was the final shot of Claire saying, Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ... And right before she jumps into the water, when she's taking her shoes off and she's pulling off her skirts, because I was like, oh, it's happening. She's actually going to do this. And I do vaguely remember this in the book. But yeah. it wasn't It wasn't at nighttime, was it? No, I'm pretty sure it was at night, yeah. Was it? Okay. So that was my favorite scene. I was just excited. Like, she's getting off the boat. This is going to happen. She's going to escape. She's taking her boots off. This is for real. Yeah, Jump. I also like the yump scene, that one, because it was, uh, I don't know, it was the first time anything happened that wasn't depressing and sad for the whole episode so got a little more raucousy adventure which is when i said get on a boat that's what i was looking for not let's watch people vomit for 
150 minutes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that so the finally we we got what I was kind of looking for there. Okay, MVP. Handy. Uh Mr. Pound was 100% my MVP. I feel like really through the entire episode, he he protected Claire. To me, Mr. Pound was the only man on that ship. Out of all those adult males, even on the Artemis, I feel like... Oh, wow. Sorry, Jane Frazier. He held up what a gentleman and a man is supposed to do in the traditional sense of that description. He... Uh, reinforced the rules. He stood by Claire. He was a, her protector in a lot of ways. He was her right hand man. Um, he just he was a good friend, a good like work partner, if you will. And he was fourteen years old. And I think to have that level of maturity and and just that he had such confidence about him. Um, he just to me he carried the a lot of weight in that episode. Yeah. So very similar. I mine was tied for Elias Pound and the captain, who I thought every scene he was amazing in. Oh really? I liked I liked both of them. Oh, yeah. uh, Annika, hands down. If there was an Annika spinoff, I'd probably watch it. Just her <laughs> feeding goats. I think it'd be good. She, where she like slyly solves crimes. Like I in think a small... this is your favorite because like I don't remember you ever talking about any character in all of the episodes so far. Lord John Gray, he's a huge fan. Of. Big John Gray fan. Big okay, fair, John... but I don't remember you gushing like this. I gush hard for Geneva. Really liked Geneva. John Gray and Geneva. If there was like a like a buddy show with John Gray, Geneva, and the Goat Lady, where they like solve crimes like Scooby Doo, I would watch that show. Joe to this day, and this is like, this is, this would bother a lot of people, but to this day, he feels like Jamie and Geneva could have made it work. Wow. I think they were, I think they are the true couple of outlines. No, they okay, that's just pushing. I feel like you need to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> I think I never need to I read the book. I feel like he never will. Okay, loin points. Hendy, what is, what is your loin point number? This is big. This is your... This First, is your loin point. Yep. loin point effort. You know, I'm going to say a 70. Oh, okay. Interesting. Not my favorite, but a strong episode. And just, just out of curiosity, just as a gauge, what would you have given A. Malcolm? I really enjoyed A. Malcolm. I would have given that an 85. Okay. Just, oh, so one you really enjoyed would be an 85. Okay, yes. so I just need like a, like a I am not. I am not a Megan where my range is 90 to 100. Right. I have a full range of loin okay. points. Okay, what has been your favorite Outlander episode ever? Mm. A Malcolm. Oh, forever? For like season the wedding, one, season The wedding, two. for sure. The wedding was so The wedding was, so what would you have that. given the wedding? I would have given the wedding like 98. 98. It lost two points in there somewhere. But well, because there were some scenes where I was like, okay... Get on with the loining already. Like, right. enough. Wait, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Okay. So, 70. This episode got 70. I give it a 70. There was things I didn't like about it, but there was it was the first time they made me cry this season. So, and Mr. Pound really, you know, he really did it. Um, so, I feel like a 70 is a is a solid number. Okay. Uh, i give it, what did you last week? 40. You always ask that question. Yeah, I know. I should write it down. Uh, I would give it, I don't know, like 38. It wasn't as good as, like... Like, it was, basically, there was only one subplot I liked. The rest of it was, I don't know, boring and predictable. Jamie was a big dick. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, there, it didn't really get kind of exciting to the end, and then we cut the block. So, right. uh, just, yeah, 45 minutes of waiting for nothing to happen. The end. Well, it was an hour-long episode. And it felt like it. And lots happened. <laughs> so Not I really. What happened? Um, Claire developed a relationship with Elias Pound. She saved the crew. 
she learned that Jamie's going to be hung. She met Annika. Right, she but, tried to escape twice. But those are all throwaway characters. Pound throwing is like, that's like, basically that's like episodic TV where like Punky Brewster meets a really nice man and then at the end of the episode he goes to jail or something like that's that. Like, like, it, we'll never like hear Elias Pound's name Or again. same thing that's with true. Annika. It's like, these are just like come and go characters. These aren't main. But that's the writing the of only, Diana Gabaldon. Yeah, the only things of real importance that happened in this episode were that we find out that Jamie's going to get arrested and that's it. Really. Other than that, that was the only, like, real plot moving... Oh, and Claire jumps off the boat, and who knows what shenanigans they're going to have to get into to meet up again. But other than that, like, nothing of note happened in this But episode. this is what I think... So, I know you have some irrelevant points, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to say, like, this is what I think is the problem once we get to this far into the Outlander storyline, okay? When you look at season one and two, and you look at book one and book two, there is a clear villain. Blackjack is the clear villain through the entire thing. There are subplots with other somewhat villainy characters in there. Yeah. But really, season three, season four, as you start getting through, it's like there are certain things that are your enemy or are villains in it, but there is no clear overarching enemy across the entire um, piece, right? right? So I think that's part of the problem because there's not one person that is driving the story in that area. Well, and this is my sort of my main argument with Megan at the beginning of the season when I was going on and on and on and on and on about how no way they could kill off Blackjack Randall in the first because, like you're saying, it's like story writing, like junior high English 101. Every every story needs an, a protagonist and an antagonist. And you're right, there is no antagonist in Outlander right now. So it's basically just like the antagonist is whatever stupid scenario they manage to get themselves into. That's like that's who they're they're basically like fighting against their own selfishness really on an episode to episode basis. Yeah, uh, it's sort of like in the beginning if I agree with what both of you are saying. It's like in the be the first little bit of season 2 when they go to France and the comp is supposed to be like the evil villain but it's not really working and for me season 2 didn't get good until um Blackjack showed up all dressed up and you realize that he'd survived and he yeah. goes up to it's just that moment and I mean obviously Tobias Menzi on screen it's always gonna get good but it's just that's when it was like oh my god he's alive and then the series like really kicked into gear in season two once he was alive so that's that is a good point and I can see how maybe season three is missing that a little bit a lot I'm still pining for they can still bring him back I don't they could they could write they it will. in Plus, they inter- they do introduce a new villain. Is there a new villain in coming? Season four. Okay, great. Oh, all the way to season four. Okay, good. And he's a pretty big one. So. We'll, well see. I look forward to it. Will I make it to season four? That's, of course that's you will. That's the biggest cliffhanger. Of course of this you season. will. We'll watch all of them. We'll find out. So my loin points rating is eighty nine, which is that's like on the lower low side for, you. for that me. Is kind of low. Yeah, anything below ni- below 90, but I mean, 89 is still, it was a great episode, I watched it two and a half times, and you know, I loved it, I cried, I laughed, I got excited, so, I mean, still a very solid Outlander episode. As they all are. As they all are. Well... Well, that's it. I think um, that's a wrap. A special thank you to Handy, our first ever special guest. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. This was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed it too. I won't yeah. be the last guest. Yeah, it no, was no, a lot of fun. You'll bump our listenership to seven, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. And next week, we'll shoot for nine. So yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what happens. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Oh, uh, by the way, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, get at us at loinlander at gmail.com or find us on the Twitter at loinlander. Uh, all right. That's it. Have a great weekend, everybody, and uh, good night. Bye. Bye. Hello? Still rolling. Try to get back in time.